Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. How are you doing today, Angela? Oh, this peachy. How are you? Good. Good. I was going to say the uh, we are in week uh, 500 One million. of uh, quarantine yeah. here. Yeah. And uh, so... <laughs> so I'm tired you kinda, of seeing your mug. You run out of stuff <laughs> to do, and so we fell down a Disney Plus rabbit hole this week. <laughs> And we decided let's let's watch one of the older movies they had on there, and we decided to watch Splash, the literal fish out of water story. So, <laughs> and I, I knew a little bit about Splash beforehand, and so that's what we, you know we kind of picked that one, and Tom Hanks is in it and everything. So we thought it would be a good one to watch. But um, you know, after we watched it, looked up a little bit more about it, and it really does have like a lot of historical significance to it. So we'll, we'll kind of get into all of that and, you know, touch on some spoilers about what the movie's about. I mean, there's really not much in the way of spoilers. Those movies in the 80s really didn't have much going on <laughs> for them. So, but if you haven't seen Splash, it is available on Disney Plus to so go check it out now and come back after you're done. One uh, quick piece of Disney news, though, before we do jump into the movie. So with the theme parks being closed, you cannot... Um, partake in one of our favorite activities in the theme parks which is pin trading yes you know anybody who's been to the parks anybody who has pin traded or even if you don't pin trade if you buy pins you know they always release special edition pins mm-hmm. when you're in the park they have a pin quarantine edition no <laughs> mickey's wearing an astronaut suit and gloves this is what this is this is what we've resulted to yeah donald has a uh <laughs> has a face covering on and everything. Oh my gosh, you imagine how hard it would be to make it like a nurse style face covering for a duck. It would be very hard. <laughs> he would just have to wear an astronaut like like a like a underwater space helmet. It would just that would be 100% what they'd have to do. All right, so I will say no, they do not have a quarantine pin collection, but <laughs> that seems like a good um money making scheme, limited edition quarantine pins. Uh Disney, you know where to send the royalty checks. <laughs> But what they do have is, since the parks aren't open, they still made all these special edition pins for Easter, for you know each month. So what they're doing is they're selling all of the pins online on the Shop Disney website. Typically, you have to go to the parks to buy them, but since the parks are closed, you can go to Shop Disney and you can buy all of the you know limited edition pins whenever they would have come out in the parks. You can buy them all online. So this is actually a great opportunity for someone... Uh, who does like pin trading and who does like the special edition pins, but can't always get to the parks like us. Like it's, you know, it's very difficult to get to the parks the one weekend, some of these pins come out, but if any of the pins are coming out that you like in the next uh, couple months, like they had some pretty cool stitch ones and things I saw. Um, You can just go online and get them. I didn't see any scar ones, but I'll have to check. That's kind of like my pin trading niche right there is I like the stitch pins and I like the scar pins. And then, of course, any general like Lion King pins and Moana also. I, I like most of the pins, but... <laughs> yeah, I was saying named all of them. They do have some really cool uh, kawaii-style Avengers pins. Oh, cool. And and it's a, it's a set, so it's a mystery pin set. So you buy it, you don't know which one you're going to get. I think there's like eight to ten of them that looked pretty cool i was thinking about maybe picking up a few of those yeah but they have the ones like the year pins for 2020 because you're always going to want to remember 2020 <laughs> or forget it <laughs> but if you know if, if you want those year pins you can buy them online you don't necessarily have to go to the parks to get them so it's um it's interesting it's nice they're doing that because yeah they made all these pins they have to get rid of them somehow uh-huh. yeah that's awesome all right so jumping into the main topic like we said <laughs> diving in you mean D- there we go that was much better 
Here, I'm going to try that one again. Okay, so diving into our main topic this week. No, you can't have my joke. I trademarked it. <laughs> Sorry. I'll pay, I'll pay you uh, the Ooh, royalty check. How much are we check. talking? I'll pay you the royalty check. We'll discuss it after the show. We're going to be discussing the movie Splash, which this came out in 1984. <laughs> I thought you said, which just came out. I'm like, oh, no. no. Yeah, 1984. Yes. It very much shows it came out in 1984. Yes, 100%. <laughs> it, is, okay. it, it is interesting when you see these older movies. They have no plot. I mean, people talk about movies now, like mm. like not having um, a, a strong plot or having plot holes, not making sense. Movies in the 80s, like literally nothing happened in them. Yeah. Um, so first of all, I have to start out by addressing the whale in the room. Uh, you know, got to keep it sea themed. But the whale in the room here is... Is this just going to be all nautical puns this whole episode? <laughs> yeah. We're, but... We apologize now. <laughs> the whale in the room is this movie does not hold up. There are so many jokes and a lot of the jokes Pieces that are of made... It don't hold up. Many parts of it because yeah. it, there's so much objectifying women. There's so many comments. Um, The brothers, like the, the first scene you see in the movie, the brother's dropping and he's like a little kid dropping coins and looking up women's skirts. So it is very, um, it shows its age very much. And then that was kind of something that was like, haha, what a naughty boy instead of like, this is disgusting. Um, So I know for me, at least it was very difficult for me to get my way through this movie because the brother was supposed to be somebody we really liked and who's played by what uh it's john candy john candy yeah, yeah the canadian actor yeah um and comedian actor. yeah he it was very hard for me to connect with that character and even when he was giving tom hanks's character you know good advice i still hated him so that was that was difficult yeah and what's what's interesting is one i had a, another point but just to kind of finish up on that point you know, this this movie actually did do well in the 80s uh, when it came out. I think it grossed somewhere around $68, 70000000 million at the box office, which was a lot back then. Which is like $37 million. Wait, $37 million. That would be a lot. That wouldn't be a lot. That's like a gazillion dollars today. Okay. <laughs> but it did well with the critics too. But but one of the critics, and I, I can't remember who it was, actually said it would have been better if they switched Tom Hanks and John Candy's role and made John Candy the the male uh lead and tom hanks the brother because he would have been you would have felt for him more you would have been rooting for him more because he wasn't as good looking and and he was kind of a little bit of aloof and kind of more comedic which i don't really see i don't see that because i would have been rooting for him less because i hated his character no he would have they would have switched characters so tom hanks would have been the brother he would have been like the womanizer jerk yes yeah okay Hmm. Which I think would have fit a little bit better with Tom Hanks, but I, I I think it's it's better how it was. So what I was gonna say is it was PG in in the eighties. It's PG thirteen now. It I think it's right on that line of movies and Disney Plus because it is it is a little bit more suggestive. So I'm I'm surprised it's on Disney Plus. I think what helps it is um, some of the stuff like you talked about. If you were a younger kid, you may not pick up on it because they're right. not. It is, they're not explicit about what's happening. So it's very easy for uh, a child to kind of not understand what's happening. But if you're a little bit older, you can kind of piece it together. So I think that's why it's right on the line of being included in Disney+. Plus. But yeah, there were some scenes where I was like a little bit surprised that it was included on this. Right. They definitely hint a lot at Tom Hanks and, the, and um, Madison's exploits. Or Tom Hanks. That's not his name in the movie. Alan and Madison's exploits. And it is kind of crazy to think about it i know that you know even movies today they might hint at it particularly disney movies but it is so far um 
just hinted that it's almost like, is that really even what they mean as an adult? This one, it is pretty explicit. But again, as Joe was saying, if you're a kid, um, you don't have to, I don't, I would not show this to my, to my child. And the reason why I wouldn't show it to my child is not because of the innuendos that are made. It's because of the treatment of women that are, that, that it kind of perpetuates that is not okay anymore and really was never okay, but definitely not now. Yeah. And it is it is interesting. I mean, you know, kind of like I said discussing the movie, there's not really much in the way of spoilers. I mean, if you if you see a trailer or a synopsis of this, you know, she's a mermaid, again, little a literal fish out of water. So she's out of water in New York City and and that's really like the story. Like there's really not much else to this except for the fact that she's a mermaid. He doesn't know and they just go about their lives for a week. <laughs> You have Eugene Levy's character, Doctor Cornbluth, who who is this over the top scientist, and I love. And, and he yells every single one of his lines. And I and I loved at the beginning when you first meet him, they are unloading boxes of equipment, <laughs> and you know it's, it's the '80s, so they're like, okay, well, this guy's a scientist. We need to let people know he has scientific equipment. He's doing something very scientific and special. What can we do? Let's just put scientific instruments on the box. And that way everybody knows like it's so, you know, today they would have had like math equations or something on it, but it's just like, just no, just spelled out very clear scientific (laughs) equipment, but I love it. Yeah. So he, he's really over the top and he is trying to prove that she's a mermaid. Right. So um, that's really the whole movie. Yeah. I I mean, it, 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 likens to a rom-com but um you know she is going about her day there are some really funny scenes of her going into stores and interacting she learns all of english in a day let's talk about this for a second she learns english in a day yeah i i don't understand i i found myself questioning what are the rules of merpersonship during (laughs) this movie because there are a lot of interesting things. So one thing is she watches TV and learns learns English in a day. That's Without correct. ever having talked to another human. She yes. goes from not speaking at all to full sentences. Speaking fish. And yeah. But but so but so there's that. There is the rule that I I guess she can only come out because it's a full moon. So but if she's on land longer than six days and doesn't return to what does turn out to be some sort of Atlantean city. Mm-hmm. Um that she can never go back again, but then Tom Hanks's character Alan goes spoiler goes with her at the end. <laughs> but if he leaves with her, he can never return. But she was able to come on land at some point, so why can't he return? Yeah, there's the, a, there's very confusing so, rules of being a mer person. Yeah, so but magi- he's not a mer person. It's very confusing. The magic system. So I mean, this is kind of like if you're a writer writing a magic system. And you can see that it was not. It is very shoddily thought through. Um, it was not very well done. There's a point where she takes a bath and she puts Morton's salt in the bath, which kind of makes you feel like, okay, well, maybe she needs salt because you see her in another scene. It rains and she doesn't get at her tail. So you think, oh, maybe she needs the salt. It's a salt water thing. But then whenever um, Eugene Levy's character throws water on her, she does get her um she does get and a maybe tail. that was and maybe salt water. it was salt water was yeah salt i guess water. they never specify but um it is very it just it, it doesn't seem like there are any specific hard and fast rules that they hold to which make it a little bit confusing for the viewer to understand if you're really you know i, I feel like a lot of times with disney movies now you can find little plot holes for sure but you can't 
it, you have to really look. This one you didn't have to look. Yeah, and I hard. guess we should you know touch on this. We're calling it a Disney movie. So this was actually, and this is kind of where where it gets interesting. And this movie has a lot more significance and importance the more you kind of learn about it. But this was actually the first movie released under Disney's Touchstone Pictures. So uh, Ron Miller, who was Walt's son-in-law, um, was CEO of the company uh, right before Michael Eisner. And they started Touchstone Pictures as a production arm to release exactly this, these type of movies that were more adult-themed, that were Disney had only ever released G movies, so they wanted to be able to release PG, PG-13 movies, but they didn't want to release it under the Disney brand because parents had come to know Disney as G, so they didn't want to be like, oh, here's a Disney movie, let's take my kid to see right. it, and it not be what they expected. So I, I have a feeling this is kind of what Disney's going to do with Fox now. They wanted to be able to release a little bit edgier movies, so they created a new production company called Touchstone Pictures, and this was actually the first movie released under that label so they started touchstone in like february of 84 and this movie came out in like march of 84 and it did really well so it was the first movie out it was a box office and a critical success so it launched touchstone picture so if this movie would have not done well if touchstone probably would have folded and i know you did a lot of um you did some research what are some of the other movies that are touchstone movies. I mean, there, there's an insane list of, of these movies that you think about it and you're like, wow, Disney produced them. Like I know pretty woman was one of the ones, but yeah, you pretty, have a whole yeah pretty woman was, was one. And these were all ones that were released under touchstone distribution. So they didn't necessarily produce them all. So it's either like a, a production or distribution, but it was all under touchstone. So, uh, you had signs, Armageddon, Pearl Harbor, Lincoln, pretty woman, uh, the water boy, what? Yeah, the Water Boy was on <laughs> was was released under Touchstone. B- B- Bobby Boucher, he um, made it funny. Um, Nomeo and Juliet was actually released under this. Gone oh. in sixty seconds. Uh, a lot of M-, M Night Shyamalan movies, so Unbreakable, different things, and a lot of them uh, like Armageddon and things. Um, I think I said Pearl Harbor. Those were all Jerry Bruckheimer. So Jerry Bruckheimer actually had a a deal with Touchstone. So that's what. A lot of his movies were under that. And that's how he kind of got into the Disney fold, which mm-hmm. ultimately got you Pirates of the Caribbean, which yeah. I don't believe was released under Touchstone because by the early 2000s, I think they had started, um, they were slowly phasing it out and they started just releasing them under the Walt Disney Studios because um, Pirates of the Caribbean was just released under Disney. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of how they got you know Jerry Bruckheimer in the fold. So again, it's like, it's interesting that, you know, Splash... Um, which did well, you know, critically did well. And I think a lot of people like they had a 20th anniversary edition of it. So, you know, it, it must be popular, you know, helped help keep this production company alive that we got a lot of other great movies mm-hmm. from it. Right, exactly. And then there's just a lot of really interesting facts about this movie, particularly having to do with Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah. Uh, Daryl Hannah, let's start there. I think we can well, we can go to Tom Hanks next, but Daryl Hannah had to go to makeup for sometimes up to eight hours because of that tail, that mermaid tail. So it actually, they did a really nice job of making it look like it is part of her body. Um, there is, you really can't see a seam or anything else. And it was a lot of layers of latex and they had to make it heavy enough that she would sink, but like not heavy enough that it would drag her under. Um, so it was very, it was a very complicated thing. And then once she got it on, she couldn't take it off. Like if she, she said if she needed to pee, it ruined their whole day of shooting. Yeah. And they actually said she got really good swimming with it, mm-hmm. that, that 
a lot of times the like the safety people that were around her couldn't keep up with her. Right. They said that she did all of her own stunts yeah. because of how yeah. good, how adept she was. Yeah. She actually, I was reading, uh, she loved the Hans Christian Andersen story of the little mermaid uh, mm-hmm. as a child and was always um, really interested in that and actually wanted to make a live action little mermaid. And so a lot of people as, as we're talking about splash and, and w- when we were watching this, I thought this, Oh, it's, it's just like the little mermaid. This actually came out five years before the little mermaid mm-hmm. came out. So, you know, any of those comparisons, it's, it's kind of in hindsight now yeah. of like, Oh, the little mermaid's so popular. You think, they Oh, this made is this after. Like, yeah. But they actually made this similar. before. So this, that's why she was kind of, you know, attra- attracted to this role and, and being a part of it. And yeah, you're right. It, she became really good at it and she couldn't take it off. So even during like breaks, she would stay in the water cause it was more comfortable <laughs> And they would come and just like give her food, like she yeah, was Tom like Tom Hanks. She said that Tom Hanks like, would just pop French fries in her yeah, mouth. Yeah, like 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 they were at Sea World or something, you know. Just uh, you know, you could feed the sea lions. Yeah, at sea yeah, World. and it they kind of just like that. They filmed a lot of this. Both they filmed some of it, you know, in a tank because there's that scene where she's in a tank. But they also filmed a lot of it out in the ocean. They were in Bermuda. So when Joe and I were watching this, they were supposed to be in Cape Cod, right, and uh, in, in New York City. And then we saw the quality of water. And we're like, this can't. This can't be. Yeah, when yeah, when I saw how clear it was. <laughs> and then there are coral reefs and stuff. Yeah, I so, was like, there's no way that's, you know, the Hudson River in New York right. or, or Cape Cod or anything like that. And she said that she actually got so good and she was in that water so much and so good at swimming with the wa- with like swimming with the fish that she actually they started to accept her <laughs> and that she got her own pilot fish. That and those are the fish that will attach to like sharks and like swim alongside sharks and get their their like whatever comes um, whenever they're eating, like whatever comes off of them and pick parasites and things off them. But she had her own, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. And actually, so the the water, it was actually in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. So they did. They so, were in the Bermuda Triangle, they said. Yeah. So where, where it was filmed and it, it was really, you know, crystal clear, it actually was in the Bahamas. And it actually turns out that uh, one of the islands they filmed on was the island that Disney ended up purchasing and turning into Castaway Key. Um, that they stop if uh, cruises ever start back up again. <laughs> you you can go there. That it stops there. So they actually filmed part of Splash on what turned out to be Castaway Key. Uh, but yeah, so Daryl Hannah went on to to be in in Blade Runner and the movie Roxanne, which is the story of Cyrano de Bergerac with with Steve Martin. You have Tom Hanks in this movie, and a lot of people now are like, oh, okay, Tom Hanks. Everybody knows Tom Hanks. This was actually like his first breakout role. So, so this was like his first leading um, role as a movie. He was in another movie. He had some small roles, but they actually originally offered this role to John Travolta, Bill Murray, Jeez. Chevy Chase. They all turned it down. And Ron Howard was the director. Um, and this was a big directorial debut for him as well, because he was still just coming off happy days. Yeah, and, he was still Richie. Right. And and this kind of proved he could be a director. But I, I didn't know this, but Tom Hanks was actually on a few episodes of Happy Days. And so Ron Howard knew him from that, and that's how he cast him. So, so this kind of propelled Ron Howard's directing career, and then Ron Howard gave Tom Hanks his his, his big break, at, you know, and turned him into you know the the leading man that he is today. Because after this in the '80s, you know, he went on to do a ton of other 
Turner and Hooch. Yeah, dramatic and, movies. Yeah, I mean, I like how that's the one I pull out of. <laughs> There's so many Well, that movies. was a Touchstone movie as well. Right. Well, that's a... I mean, from my memory, I actually kind of would love to rewatch that one. From my memory, that one was hilarious. That one's really, really good. So, um, you know, it's a buddy cop movie. Instead of, though, being with two cops, it's with a cop and a dog. Um, and his dog is terrible. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that this was... I mean, it's incredible to think that this is like where Tom Hanks got his start. If you watch the movie, you can definitely tell Tom Hanks is a much, much, much better actor now. Uh, there are points in this movie um, where a lot of the acting, not from Tom Hanks necessarily, does not seem genuine. <laughs> like I said, uh, Eugene Levy, who I love, or Levy, I'm sorry, who I love, and he yells the majority of his lines, but I know from watching him now, like he's just grown so much. And and so this is a good a good tale to any young person listening acting was different back then well yeah a little bit but also you're gonna get better like you oh, might stink true. at true. something right now you not be, might not be good at something don't quit keep at it because you are it's inevitable if you do it enough you are going to improve you are going to get better and then look at where these people are now look at where tom hanks is now you know you might not know who eugene levy is but he is also really well regarded and um you know he has a very successful family and everything and this is all due to you know him sticking with it and yeah and he hard. actually got the role because he was friends with john candy from the canadian television show sctv and john candy originally wanted the role of dr cornbluth and when he didn't get it he <laughs> recommended uh eugene for it because they were friends so that's kind of how huh. how he got in so it is interesting to like see how everybody you know is connected in this movie, and another fun fact about it is this actually got an Oscar nomination <laughs> for Best Original Screenplay, which I think is funny. Um, yes. <laughs> but some other, like another just kind of quick, you know, background to this. They filmed this movie relatively quickly in a few months because uh, Warren Beatty was actually working on a rival mermaid movie. So apparently the early 80s was the time to be a mermaid. And so they were trying to get this movie out first. Uh, his movie fell through and never actually came out. Um, so they, they were working very quickly. And, you know, they kind of promised Disney, hey, we can do this cheaper and quicker and, and get it, you know, get it done. So you're the first one out. But again, it, it turned out to be very successful. You know, looking back on it, there's a lot of famous people in it. You know, a lot of Ron Howard directed it, but back in the day they were kind of unknowns. So it was a bit of a gamble. Yeah. And so it's really interesting. Yeah. And speaking of things that are unknown, they make a joke in the movie. They, uh, you know, when, after we learn the, the mermaid's name and she says it in the store and it is, you know, like a take on a dolphin. It's noise like dolphin or, noises. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So she tells her, him her name and then she, they're trying to pick a name for her that he can pronounce. They walk up because they're in New York city to Madison Avenue. And he says Madison, like kind of jokingly. And she says, Oh, I like that. And then they make the joke. Well, that's not even a name. And it's so funny because today, with the, our audiences today that doesn't hit because we're like there's tons of Madisons Madison I mean as again as a teacher I know I mentioned this every like five episodes but as a teacher that name is something you see constantly Madison or Maddie and that's because of this movie it's because of this movie yeah it's insane that that's like how that this this name kind of got it its start as a name yeah. as opposed to a last name or a street name it's yeah that that was that was the joke they they talked about this I read an article where they were talking about this on the 20th anniversary of it that you know now to your point that joke makes no sense because it is a very popular name but in the early 80s Madison was not a name that people used 
And so it was a funny joke. And now, uh, you know, Daryl Hannah says she meets tons of people who come up to her to this day who are Madison because her character's name in this movie was Madison. Madison the Mermaid. Hey, it works. Yep, exactly. So, But yeah, so it's really interesting. It's just, it's amazing that this, you know, kind of obscure movie, um, and it's on Disney Plus now if you want to see it. It's just kind of, again, went down a, you know, a rabbit hole and found it. But it has some insane lasting impacts to it. I mean, it, it kind of makes you wonder, like, in 20 or 30 years, are, are we going to look back on, you know, some of the movies that came out yeah. today? And it's like, what's going to be the lasting impact? Like, who were some of the minor characters in some of these Marvel movies that are going to turn out to be huge you know big names or right. or you know some of the you know directors that, that turn out to be big names i mean i would kind of argue taika watiti is already a little bit like that like he was somewhat mm-hmm. unknown he had just done a few indie movies before he did thor ragnarok now he's you know kind of huge he's what an oscar in the shadows yeah jojo rabbit yeah. yeah he he's an oscar winner now that i think he's kind of blowing up but that's happened very quickly so you know he may be somebody like that that's like wow they got taika watiti you know, before he became the next yeah. Steven Spielberg or something I mean, like that. But he's he's even more impressive than that because he acts too. So he's in these movies that he does and then also directs them. And um, he has a really strong wit and and flair for comedy. So he's he is very he's very good. Yeah, I could see him having a, a, a very good career that you come back on and you go, wow, that was, you know, Thor Ragnarok. That was his, his breakout. Mo- no, that was his breakout movie. Cause up to that point it had been small movies, but yeah, it'll be interesting, you know, 20 or 30 years down the line to see, uh, you know, some of these people and how they, how they, uh, how it kind of turns out that you look back and it's like, well, that was their first role. Like, Oh yeah, of course they would be in that movie. They're super popular, but it was like, no, that was a gamble (laughs) from them back in the day. I would argue almost that that is kind of, well, it wasn't really Disney that did this or was it Disney? Um, that's kind of how what's happened with Chris Pratt. I mean, in our, in our lifetime where he went from this very, like, I mean, it wasn't a small role. It was a pretty big role in parks and rec, but he was just this kind of schlubby dude. And then he became an, a, mega action star i think he did guardians before he did jurassic park right yeah they came out in the same year i think or they came out right around each other but yeah that's a good point marvel they kind of took a gamble on him to an extent for guardians right i I mean he i'd say that star lord's not peter quill's not like he's comedic he fits that role well comedic but he's not overly comedic which is what he had done up to that point like andy is completely you don't take his character serious at all and yeah, he's he has exploded and become this really serious uh, actor now. And it, it's just crazy whenever you go back and watch Parks and Rec and you see him as Andy Dwyer. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, it'll be uh, be interesting to see what the next 20 years hold. So. Exactly. All right, I think that kind of wraps up uh, this week's episode. So go check out Splash on Disney Plus if yeah. you want to see it. it. I mean, it's a it's a decent movie. Like you said, it, it has some, you know, problematic aspects to it it's definitely a movie made in the 80s so yeah. i mean it's not it's like don't expect something you know that you made today but if you do like those those older movies um i think it's definitely worth watching it's only like yeah an just, hour and a half just don't watch it with your kids yeah it's only like an hour and a half hour 40 minutes it's not super long either um, right i i think i think we should do like a movie club like every now and then though I, i'm interested in doing like one of those weird other ones like this one i think was a pretty this is a pretty big name but like the computer that 
wore shoes and or what was that one about the monkey or the chimpanzee yeah the barefoot executive so those yeah. are those are all um kurt russell movies yeah so I'm, I'm pretty sure that those are the next two movies on our list to do an episode like this on yeah yeah if there's any if there's any movies uh you guys suggest let us know if yeah. they're on disney plus because we all know we have a lot of time <laughs> to watch to watch movies now so yeah, let us know and we'll uh, we'll start we'll, keep, keep, we'll watch them together and then we can uh, we can all discuss them. So keep the torture at the minimum. <laughs> so all right, yeah. So uh, thanks everybody again for listening. You know, make sure you leave us a rating or a review. Uh, it, you know, it, it really helps subscribe. Uh, be sure to head over to our YouTube channel, a relatively new YouTube channel. We have you know new videos up there every week. So it's uh, Enchanted Ears on YouTube. I will actually link to the description in the show notes. Uh, every new video is up there every week, so be sure to check that out as well. So, and uh, you can always follow us on social media on Facebook or Instagram. We are at Enchanted Ears Podcast on both. So we always um, post anytime we have new videos or podcast episodes out. So you can um, be sure to check that out if you want to know uh, when anything new drops. So, thanks everybody again for listening. Thanks for letting us your and ears. And we'll uh, see you here next Monday. Bye.